Good morning, good evening, and welcome. Let's start off with a prayer. Last week, I shared the first shloka from Vishnu Sahasranama. And uh, in that, we talked about uh, the key name of uh, Lord Vishnu, which is, uh, uh, you know, uh, Bhavaha, which is pure existence, right? Which is, you know, independent of the universe that we see, that principle Brahman exists, right? Now, continuing on the same concept, now uh, we'll 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 look at the uh, second uh, uh, second shloka in Vishnu Sahasranama, and here here here's how it goes: Utatma Paramatma Cha Mukta Nam Paramagati Avyayapurusasakshi Kshetra Nyoksharayevacha. That's what it says. So again, you no, know, uh, the theme is very simple. It keeps talking about uh, the those thousand names of Lord Mahavishnu. Uh, which have been praised by everybody, including the rishis and saints. So in this, uh, it talks about multiple names. You know, Putatma is the first one, which says that it's ever pure. Ever pure means the way that we have to interpret that is, uh, it's never combining with any of these uh, sattva, rajas, tamas kind of uh, uh, gunas. So it's beyond the prakriti that we have, right? Then Paramatma. Paramatma is again, you know, it's the universal soul. In the context of, uh, you know, where it is, where it is, it is everywhere. That's what it means. And then the next word is Muktanam Paramagati. That whole thing is entire one word. It says that for all the people who are Muktas, like who are liberated souls, that is the end goal. Paramatma or the Putatma or, or the Vishnu is the end goal. That's what it says. Then Avyayaha, Avyayaha is means something that is imperishable. You know, you, Vyaya means something which will keep on, you know, reducing. For example, if you have a bunch of... Uh, if you have a mountain of uh, uh, food, keep eating something, at, you know, in a day, it'll keep on reducing over a period of time. But this is Avyayaha. It's like, it's always there. How much ever you eat, it'll keep on being there. Then Purushaha is, Purushaha is an important thing. And in the context of what we're discussing, right? Here, the way that it's interprets Purushaha is that indweller within us who lives in the city of nine gates, okay? You know, body has nine holes. And so he lives within that. That is Purushaha. Purushaha is Puru is a city, and Purushaha is the one who lives within that particular thing, and uh, 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 which is the Atman uh, as what we call. And and we also learned that in Gita, you know, it's called Kshetragnya. All all of them are the same meanings uh, in that thing. Then the most important uh, thing is Sakshi. The next word is uh, next name is Sakshi. So he's an ever witness. So it goes very well with uh, you know the Putatma because Putatma means you know he's not involved in every anything that's happening in this universe, but he is the eternal witness to what has been happening. Okay. Then Kshetragnyo Akshara Evacha. Kshetragnya is Kshetragnya is the same word that we've learned in Gita. 
and akshara akshara means uh, you know the multiple interpretation again avyaya and akshara are the very similar uh, but uh, uh, it, uh, it's it's for the moment let's just understand that avyaya and akshara are the same right and so those are the words that it says and i i think the key word in this uh, shloka is sakshi so the first one was uh, bhavaha and the second one was sakshi so just these two shlokas you know what we have seen it kind of you know covers almost the entire concepts that we've been learning the whole year so much succinctly in a small mantra and telling us okay remember this you'll remember the gita and if you remember the gita you know how to live like i i really enjoyed learning these things this, this year there is a slight difference between shara and vya is vya is kharch karna like you spend money so it changes hands whereas shara is destruction so destroying something so slight ah, yeah 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 akshara is which can't be destroyed avyay is which cannot be spent which cannot be spent okay <laughs> now that's a beautiful one yeah good you had a question yeah i had a question um when you said witness right uh, and this this is again I, i'm going back and uh, i'm not able to i guess imagine or, or think through this um when you say witness it separates from the nature and it, it's if there is something witness then it's a, there's a separation there but it's actually not a separate thing right so how do we think about it and it's the same question i had yesterday after listening to spg's uh, talk on the free will but he he had a beautiful conclusion in the end which i am not able to reconcile <laughs> <laughs> then my sense was very hard to understand you know that's a great question you know i think you know in fact i want to start this gd with vivek's question actually today and yeah, you 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 uh, you you kind of you know uh, touched touched upon it i think maybe you know uh, the answer that i understood the way it was was what krishna wrote right it, you know the light on the stage does not bother about whether the play is happening or not happening it just illuminates because that's the nature right that's the quote unquote the way that witness of that particular action is right so the people with in in the in that movie who are acting the different parts you know they they need the light otherwise you know nobody can see them nobody can you know appreciate them but uh, the light doesn't need it yeah just like uh, you, you need a canvas to do something yeah yeah, mm. yeah. okay yeah so maybe you know um, uh, maybe you know vivek uh, if you can start off uh, in with that question that you had right and perhaps uh, want to know whether it is still qed qed is a new word for me though i learned that thank you and uh, you know maybe uh, uh, let's kind of you know hear from you if that question still persists in your mind and maybe with the wisdom of the group we can learn it a little better no no i mean uh, <clears throat> thank you very much <clears throat> sorry uh, yeah my mic is on no i mean qed means i mean for me you know alpna's one line has just nailed it for me <clears throat> so no doubt but at at the risk of uh, 
sort of duplicating, I was, it, it was sort of troubling me a little bit and that, you know, as a consequence of Chaturmasa, uh, well, I mean, this Prakriti is, is actually beautiful. It's very precise. It is, uh, you know, the way the human body works, the way the world around us as we perceive it, real or unreal or temporary or everlasting, however we look at it, it is actually a, a very fine machinery, it runs very precisely, is very dynamic, ever-changing, but yet, you know, the, the, the pieces, the gears fit into it very well. So if we are looking for motion along the way, one has to, um, if you've been given the ability to appreciate and be grateful and to enjoy, uh, where does that fit in with, you know, uh, the dispassion and the, uh, where does that fit in in the whole scheme of, uh, how, and is it is it really possible <clears throat> to say to be grateful for something without appreciating it? Is it possible to appreciate something without actually being drawn into its beauty? Um, and and can you do that if you're if if you're detached, fully detached? Um, so so Alpna's explanation for me was you know this it was a total as I say at, at the end of equations in going through school I think I don't know whether you guys remember it or not but we, we used yeah, to yeah. lose points if you didn't write QPD at the end of the equation it, it just meant that there was more explanation and and, and, and analysis to come. And QD just nailed that. So, so you know, <coughs> that one sentence from Alpna totally nailed it for me. Uh, and, and Alpna, please, you know, is, uh, over to you to, to, to tell us what you've made of that Q&A that, that ensued. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, at least theoretically, you know, whatever we we listened through in different scriptures and 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 others, yes, it is possible that that people who attain enlightenment they're desireless, but they are very compassionate and they are very appreciative of anything that you do. So it is possible that you are still appreciative and you are still in gratitude, but you're not attached. <laughs> And that's where I was trying to come up with an example where we can relate to it. Um, and having seen such people, it is it is possible. So I just wanted to wanted to highlight that, you know, it's not just theoretical. Uh, and they are most compassionate people I have come across. Where and I also wrote that statement. That's why that Ranganatha statement stuck in my head. Uh, his mindset was. When I close my eyes, I am at peace within. And when I open, I say, what can I do for you? This is how they live. And, you know, if anything is done for them, they're just so appreciative of it that, you know, you took that, that effort or that inconvenience to make it happen. So they're really grateful for it. It's not that they want it, but if they get it, they, they receive it with most graciousness. That's the that's the beauty of it. Uh, if you don't get, if they don't get it, they're absolutely fine with it as well. So it is possible. So that is what I was trying to say. That you know, my Guruji had come here to Singapore, and he was you know blown away by the development that had happened in Singapore. He was in Navy, so he came as part of Merchant Navy 
long time ago. And the difference he saw after 20 years, he was like, what this country has done is just so beautiful, you know, and how considerate they are for everything and every aspect of it. So, so they notice it, you know, and he was, uh, you know, they, they've cleaned up the rivers here, et cetera, et cetera. And it is just so pretty. And he was noticing it all the time. But if he didn't come here, he was fine as well. You know, so I think that was the point I was trying to make. So, uh, and in, he keeps referring to it as well that, you know, when you watch a movie, you appreciate it. You know? So, yeah. so I, I think, I think, you know, I just want to narrate another incident. Uh, you know, uh, I met Swami Paramatmananda uh, uh, one, one of these times. And uh, uh, I was wondering what I should take for him from here, from the US. Then I thought I'd take chocolates and all that. But then it struck me that, you know, maybe it's, it's so much of quote unquote processed food. I might as well take something which is simple. So I went to Costco, got a, a packet of badam. Okay. And I went and gave it to him. Then he said, oh, that Swamiji is changed automatically like a childlike enthusiast. He said, oh, you got this from the US. And then, you know, it's very good. I heard Badam's there taste very nice and all that. And he was not kind of, you know, trying to, uh, you know, uh, praise me. But he was, you know, just was so grateful, like a childlike enthusiasm. And then I said, Swamiji, I hope uh, you don't mind taking this. He said, no, 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 I would love it. When people come and ask, uh, come for my uh, meeting me, I will give this bath to them and, uh, you know, they will uh, enjoy it. Because this is very tasty. It comes from the US and all that he was talking, you know. It's so it's so simple thing, but it was kind of revealing. I said, they're just kind of, you know, just giving away, just like that, right? All right. Actually, this this also uh, impacts like the going back to the QED from Vivek. When you wrote QED, I was thinking, ah, for me also it was a, like a secondary QED because the movie is actually the entire lifespan itself. And and if if you consider it that way, that's how I I was trying to reconcile to myself. Then and, and that also answers the witness question. It's really nice, very nice analogy. All right, cool. Now with that big iceberg breaker, I think uh, we probably will have to get to the chapter 21 of uh, Swami D's book. So as usual, anyone can start off with uh, your observations and your comments on uh, this particular chapter and then we can kick off this GD. Yeah, so <clears throat> can I start off, Rajesh? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it, it talks about the three types of sannyasa and, uh, you know, uh, I understand why the first one, the Apat sannyasa is a, is a kind of a dangerous one because he's the one who's, um, you know, giving it up uh, towards the end. And, uh, you know, he says that, you know, if it, if, what if it reverts back and, you know, will he, will he regret the decision? So that part, I understand that why it is dangerous, but I was not sure why the second one that Vivid this. uh, you know, uh, sannyasa, where somebody is actually giving up for, you know, I mean, he's not interested in material uh, things and he's doing it from, uh, you know, desire for knowledge, right? So why is that also considered as a dangerous one? I had the same question, Sakupa. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to regret not having knowledge, right? Yeah. 
I felt uh, it's uh, slightly dangerous because it's for the, what he says is it's for the wrong reason that you just want for academic knowledge, if I may call it. It's, it looked, appeared to be more like that, that you just want to know what's written in these Vedas, but you don't really want the moksha. You just want for your, your intellectual, you know, curiosity, what it is. So why is that dangerous? Like, why would it be detrimental is what I'm reading it as. Um, I think the way I looked at it was, if it is more of intellectual knowledge, I think it's more to show, show you know, you can get one pride of it and then you may try to down some people that, oh, I have read this and I know this. And so, oh, okay. so from that angle, because you, you're not really using it for your own upliftment, but if it's not that you want it more for your, you know, <laughs> intellectual, this thing, oh, I know it now, what it says, okay. but not realizing it. And that's where that third one is very important where you actually realize it, the oneness in everybody. So using it incorrectly is what I got. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. You said it right. And, and I think, uh, you know, I go back to Sadhana Chatushtaya, right? In Sadhana Chatushtaya, the fourth one, Mumukshutvam, is extremely important. And the way that people define Mumukshutvam, the desire for moksha, is very simple. They say that, you know, if you take a person and you put him in a river and put his, you know, put, put his head underwater and hold him, Okay. Now, what does he want? At that time, does he want moksha? Does he want air? Right? Now, if he wants moksha at that time, then he's ready to go to moksha. But, you know, at that time, he wants only air. So the point is, you know, till the time the desire in us gets to the level that you desire for moksha as much as what you desire air when you are put underwater, till the time we are not ready. That's what it means. Yeah, that yeah, makes I, sense, I, but, I took uh, it to still... mean... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, if I may, Satya, uh, yes, I thought it to me it uh, it was trying to point out some of the Swamiji's that you see who have gone astray, meaning they are knowledgeable or, and and other people who know scriptures but who um, you know still um, are focused on wealth and other things. So that's how I took it that they are dangerous because they actually know more and therefore they can talk about things, uh, but at the same time, they are not really two sannyasis. And, and in fact, those are the kind of Gurujis that have, frankly, you know, made me skeptical of having a Guruji for a very long time. So that's how I understood this part. Yeah, I see one contradiction, uh, not in the way uh, that, you know, Alpana and uh, Rajesh had explained, uh, but in... Uh, you know, in that, if you look at that para in uh, page number 160, so it says that, you know, um, the person who still holds a value for objects, wealth, or security is not ready for sannyasa, right? So, uh, but 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 if you if you look at uh, two, three sentences before that, you know, so he's not actually interested in uh, pressure in this world or even in heaven. So I, I, I thought there is some kind of, a, you know, a contradiction in in the same para, or am I reading it too much? No, no, Sakuba. I think I think the way that we need to think about it is like you know, in terms of the you know, it's not a zero or one. It's like an intensity desire, like turning up the volume. You got to keep on turning up the desire desire knob uh, so much that at one point of time that you know you'll say I cannot live without this anymore, and then you go. It will become natural for you at that point of time. That's what I'm trying to explain. 
Sarah, to VP's point, to Satya's point, turning down the dial, is, is that a natural outcome of gaining the knowledge and practicing the teachings of Gita? Or is it a deliberate effort focusing on turning down the dial? Do you see what a, the distinction I'm making there? You see, these, these, these gurus who have the knowledge that, you know, and I have the same fear that VP does, or, or VP had, <clears throat> is they, they go a long distance and then suddenly something crazy happens with them and they go off track. So which means that, you know, all that knowledge has, has forsaken them. Um, and perhaps they've been forcing that dial to go down there. Should they shouldn't have. Yeah, Vivek. Actually, yeah, you're right. And what VP said is also right. So um, actually, VP and I both are listening to to a series of lectures on Swami Shivam Tirthji. So he he is quite well known as well. But at some point in time, he when he took sannyas, he actually got this uh, second sannyas, Vividisha sannyas, because at his guru felt at that time he was not ready for the, you know, to know the ultimate reality. But yet he knowingly, and after telling him, introduced him into the sannyasa, that you get the knowledge and, you know, but then that showcases actually the importance of the guru in his life, that he guided him and eventually he reached the enlightened state. So it is quite possible and he, Actually, at every point, the guru, uh, you know, cautioned him because he actually wanted to give up and just live in isolation. And he said, don't do that because it is not what your mind is ready for. So it actually boils down to the sanskars that are there. Because if you leave everything and go in isolation, those will at some point will become so strong that they will take you away from the course. And that's what happens in some of the cases. So that hand-holding of guru is, becomes actually even more important in the later stages of the enlightenment than actually in the beginning. Because that's where the strong sanskaras are just so powerful. So most of the gurus you're talking about, I think they were on the right path. It's just that some of those old sanskaras, they just, they, you know, spring up and, you know, completely disillusion them for the time being. They'll come back, but yeah, the damage is done. So, so it's like my, you know, I, I fell off the wagon into ice cream in a big way during the, in the middle of Chaturmasa. So that's, that's, that's a good example of what might happen, right? If you try to force it. Yeah, and see that Rajesh was there to continuously still believing in you and, and you know, caution, not actually not even cautioning you, but right, bringing you back into it in different ways, not even directly telling you in fact, telling you that it's okay, <coughs> take it at a time. And, you know, so that's what the beauty of a guru is, you know, they will, they will somehow still let you not completely fall off wagon, but a little bit of it is okay. But you're right. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, uh, in fact, you know, to what Alpana uh, said, right, you know, there is another type of uh, sannyasa that is also practiced called Parivrajika, right, where people, uh, the gurus say, okay, temporarily you go, okay. So they give them a you know light colored saffron robe you know uh, and they say okay now you you are sannyasi for the next 15 days and you live like a sannyasi 
right now the reason why they do that is first you figure out it's like a you know movie trailer you know this is like a trailer you go figure it out you know can you live on arms can you live sleep under a tree you know figure out live on somebody else's grace rather than your own efforts or your own credit cards you know no no hotel room thing you know you figure out where to live where to eat what to eat and i have known personally people who have sat down begged for food and have eaten the reason was not that the re- reason was not that you know they were trying to get moksha because of that the reason was they were trying to gauge their own mentality whether it makes sense for me to take up this path or not whether that attachment is there with me or not is what they were trying to gauge but then you know uh, i guess that uh, there is also another easier path which is the karma yoga path so so is it like a step ladder so I, definitely it is not like a you know of course the highest form is the third one and uh, the second one is a uh, little lower than that and is it is it that way or like you know is no sanyasa you know uh, better or worse than apat sanyasa i i think uh, you know it's it's very apt uh, sakuba what you asked this question here and, and you know i think arjuna also keeps asking the same question you know sanyasa and what is tyaga and that's how this chapter also starts and and my personal opinion is i don't think uh, you know you need to really think one needs to really think sanyasa in the traditional sense of you know letting go of the world that we are in and going away and i think uh, it is not 100% required in my view but uh, uh, you know of course for some people it is required but not for everybody else and also we passed that train station right so we can't we can't go into sanyasa in the physical way but mentally you can still renounce and that's what mental renouncing is same as taking sanyasa it's no different so it's no higher or lower and there have been many grahasthas who were enlightened you know as per our scriptures in fact not only i was also tempted to give the example that we have examples of a prostitute who was enlightened there was a butcher who was enlightened so it's not even what task you are doing but you can be a renouncer in doing day to day activities eventually by you know uh by practicing an an attachment to the results so it which in turn is karma yoga in a way so they are same and not mandatory and not a different ladder i would say to alpana ashish here hey go ahead uh, yeah i would just add one sentence so from from this i believe uh, the crux is you have to start where you are so which which could be different for everyone yes. everyone yes absolutely right thank you hey uh, i i just wanted to add uh, uh, sakuba and uh, alpana if you were there yesterday um he was talking exactly about this and he said you can't it's they're intricately coupled it's not like a step ladder like what you were saying it is very intricately connected 
between how you do your everyday activity uh, mentally. So it uh, it basically comes down to um, neutralizing the samskaras, right? Uh, and when we say, um, uh, you know, uh, sannyasa at the mental level, we are purifying the mind. In, in other in other words, that would be the same as neutralizing mm -hmm. the samskaras. And I, th I think uh, you know uh, one other one other point which I, which struck me from this last chapter that we've been reading is that see at the end of the day uh, we cannot looks like we'll have to work with our with the nature that we that we are born with you know if we have a particular disposition we cannot go against that particular disposition and which only means that you know, we have to figure out. Uh, I think uh, to whose point is it? Uh, to Ashish's point, right? We got to figure out how we got to work in alignment with the disposition what we have, and still, you know, start from there and go beyond, which can be done only in karma yoga. Like one of uh, Swami SPG's lecture explains sannyasa very well. So how traditionally it started. So there are three type of uh, aishnas, which are I think called desires the putreshna, the viteshna, and the lokeshna. So you have putreshna, which is desire for a child. So, you know, originally that desire stems from that the, the, the son will do your last rites so that you can go to a, um, you know, you can go to the pitri lok. So um, if the last rites are not done, your soul, actually, your subtle body actually just stays and it doesn't get the you know, enough power to go there. So that was the putreshna. So when you take sannyasa, you do your own last rites. So then you don't need a son to do those rites for you. So that's how when you take sannyasa, you just do your last rites and you don't need the putreshna. Now, viteshna was to earn money to be able to do yagnas to get higher lokas in afterlife. So that is going to the swarg and all. And that's the whole karmakand that's described in Vedas. So here, I think they say that you will not do any of those karmakand because you're not interested in any of these lokas and you're more interested in moksha. So that means your goal is very, very clear that you're not interested in what, you know, what these, and, and these yagnas are, are also for getting material things, etc. So it was more that we don't need that and we are giving up that and we will live on whatever the society provides us and there, there's a trust built in that God will take care of everything. So that's how you give up your Viteshna. And then actually Lokeshna was what I sort of modeled a little bit that it is for getting different Lokas which you don't want after death as heaven, etc. So you give up these three and take up Sanyasa. So that was the whole idea about that. And the idea is even as a grahast, you can, you can mentally develop those things, but then you do need the sun to do your last rites, et cetera, et cetera, because you don't do it in your lifetime. So, so that was actually the definition of sannyasa. But then if you're relying on the society to take care of you, 
your goal should be very clear that it is only to find the enlightenment and then help in turn others who are seeking that path and, and giving back to the society in that way. So that was, I thought, a very good explanation of what really sannyasa meant is actually just getting over these three aishnas, which mentally also you can eventually give up. So it doesn't really have to be wearing the ochre robe. Very well said, Alpana. And I think, you know, uh, to add to what you said, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I forgot about this when uh, we were uh, when I was sharing my thought earlier, but you you brought it up. I think if you look at the way that the uh, the Hindu life has been divided, the four segments, right, you know, sure. um, student life, then Gruhastashram, which is a householder's life, then uh, a, a, a renunciate and then you know, go into sannyasa, right? Okay, Brahmacharya, uh, Gruhastha, Vanaprastha, and then uh, uh, sannyasa actually uh, you know that raises up a very interesting contemporary question right you know should we retire from our active life or not right and i know that you know some of some of us here have already done that lucky people okay but uh, uh, you know the point is you know when do you transition from being a householder mentally transition again i don't mean to say you know let go of your spouse and kids and when do you transition from being active in your active life and then tilt the balance towards, you know, turning the dial off towards towards the moksha a little bit. And then how do you do it? And then again, after some time, once you've graduated there, how do you tilt it more and then get to the next stage? So think about it. You know, we are, we are all in that stage right now where we are in the contemporary Gruhastha stage, right? And we don't know whether, whether we are at uh, 1% or 99%. We don't know that because if it's 100%, then you would have switched to Vanaprastha stage. You would have retired and you would have gone there. So that's another thing that we should think of personally from a from a point of view, uh, you know, to think where we are in terms of our own mindset about what activity that we need to do in our life for our spiritual progress. Yeah, Rajesh, yeah, actually you brought a good point. And also as a grihastha, it's our responsibility to take care of the other three ashrams. So people who are in the student life, the vanprast and this thing. So it is our duty, actually, if we run away from that, um, we are doing, you know, not doing the karmas which are assigned to us. So, so that's a very interesting point. Uh, I think naturally, naturally in, in, in the modern time, we have a clock that's set by having a mortgage. So when you pay a mortgage off, then you can start thinking about moving into these sort of things, right? But uh, actually, depending, even if you haven't, I still have a large mortgage. Um, there are incremental shifts. So what I found interesting is our association with time. When you start, when you stop looking at time as, as a constraining factor, that is once, that's a baby step towards moving out of that, you know, second phase. The other one is, I think, mindset. In that, uh, you know, I've seen people go through a transformation where they've said, actually, you know what? Fine, you know, done, done enough of this, this uh, nine to five thing and, you know, whatever money, either made lots of money or not made enough or not made at all. But let's do something that is a little bit more meaningful. When that, you know, there's that Victor Frankl way of thinking. When that creeps in, that in itself takes you. So, so there is an actuality, there is a practicality, and there's an aspirational side to how 
we move from one this main working stage to that of uh, let's say called the retired stage you know the frame of mind so uh, i agree uh, vivek i was about to say that um, i think it's not a conscious thing as, as we start doing this I, in terms of vairagya right that develops over a period of time and it's not like we are trying to increase the dial of vairagyam right it 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 naturally builds um and according to uh, the gita for instance it says that as we start doing our work when we convert karma to karma yoga and start doing it that way vairagyam actually builds up inside you so it starts to change from the inside out and we uh, the interest slowly starts to move from making money and amassing more wealth into something more right so um it is that natural progression that happens inside us um and it i i don't think there is a single moment i think it's more as a spectrum is is how i see it and 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 you know you can, you can feel it yeah. when you look back you can see it but then while you're there you you just see it as a continuum You know, um, <clears throat> recently on uh, on LinkedIn, I saw somebody had posted a, a pie chart where goals, you know, uh, house, car, career, whatever, and um, another pie chart where the whole thing is happiness. So, you want to change your goals from you know all these material things to happiness. and there were a lot of comments in that uh, you know for that post saying oh only the people who have already attained these things can now you know move to the other you know and say that their goal is happiness and and that got me thinking that <clears throat> in hinduism right we have this construct of all these ashrams and it makes it such that you know in grihas ashram when you have to do you know you have to take care of your family you have to make money to take care of your family you have to pursue all those things and you don't have to feel guilty about pursuing those things at that point in time and eventually you'll come to the you know state where you're pursuing happiness and not pursuing all these different things so i thought that we have a nice construct that we don't you know when there is a time for everything and we don't have to feel guilty or bad about being in that you know phase of life where we are pursuing those things and not pursuing the greater sort of you know um, goal of happiness very well said manu and that's where no, no one expects that one prasti should take care of you know children or why is he not right. you know involved in these things absolutely the expectation is not there from the society more so manu uh, can i just uh, give one more perspective there mm-hmm. um something to think about so it, it doesn't have to be this or that right um, also think about it that way so if you were to um i i i've been through the exact same question by the way uh, that's why i'm i'm just sharing my um how my thought has evolved around this topic um so today i see happiness as um a state of mind which is uh, where the mind is very calm very stable equanimous right and very comfortable with yourself right where you're not being pulled 
you're not being you're not trying to push away stuff you're very comfortable and accepting so if if you can imagine such a state of mind to me that itself is happiness right because in that state you are able uh, you, you have when you are in that state you mean you have kind of neutralized a lot of your uh, tamo and rajogunas and that's why it's able to bring out the happiness from inside from inside you right it's it's shining from inside you now does that have to depend on the other side the other pie chart that we spoke about it doesn't have to right it is in our own mind it's in our own mind it's in our own control um so um as we do other things such as taking care of family there is need versus want on the other side mm-hmm. and as we do all of that uh, we can continue to be economists we can continue to be definitely working towards having um uh, uh, yeah being economists and and calm and all that so they can coexist completely it doesn't have to be that we have to uh, on the left side which is when we are acquiring these things right. and doing these things we are not happy and then at some point we have to be right it's it, we can be no it, it it to me um it is it is not mutually exclusive it can be the same right but you know you would associate happiness you know and like if you look at uh 10 years 15 years ago you know you associated happiness with different things with oh we, i uh, you know yeah. Yeah and, and that's and that's the mentality different yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, a change that we need to that you need to correct. make yeah so the the definition of happiness is where i think it if once that is clear uh, right. and the definition of happiness becomes uh, goes down to the the actually the definition of sthita pragna right of uh, someone who has that stable um mindset and right. uh, if the definition comes down to that and it's become clear to you that that is happiness um then you can do other things as needed but with absolutely happiness, right absolutely. so it's yep. from happiness rather than for happiness right as we right. saw earlier so i think yeah um, yeah, yeah but it point. takes time even to shift that you know definition absolutely. of happiness that's what we are you know i think we are and agree. and for people in earlier in the grihasthashram phase or in the brahmacharya phase it's not you know the definition of happiness is not probably going to be that what we now know as happiness right right but you, <laughs> and that's okay and and that's okay correct and but as you see now um there is increasing awareness of happiness right in the sense of i mean yeah. if you look at um the that if you look at the fact that mindfulness based apps have taken off and if you look at the fact that there is a uh even in uh, in a well at yale university there is uh, a course called happiness by lori santos which is the most subscribed to course now this is so which surprised me because this is a audience of um you know high, uh low uh, 20 20s crowd here right we are talking right. about 20 21 year olds who are by subscribing to this course regardless of the content the fact that they subscribe to it and now if you go to coursera you will see that 1.4 million people have taken mm-hmm. that course uh, uh, in the last few years now that tells me that people have started thinking about it they they started becoming important right now 
Um, so it's important to understand what is that definition. Because without that, it's just a word. And it's like, yeah, I want to be happy. Can we pinpoint that? Can we say what exactly it is? And uh, to me, that's, it's becoming increasingly clear that the, the word stands for this type of a mindset. Sita Pragna is the word, actually. Our Samatvam is the word, equanimous. And because if, if that is there, everything else kind of, uh, you are able to kind of enjoy everything else, right? So if that is not there, even if you have the money, if you are in, uh, you know, whatever else, you are not able to enjoy it, isn't it? So, so then what is the bottom line? The bottom line needs to be that. And then it doesn't matter whether the other things are there or not. So, so this has uh, opened up a whole bunch of questions for me um, as, as you've been speaking, Krishna. <laughs> and at the risk of hijacking this, uh, um, is, it, uh, is happiness, do we have to have moments of unhappiness to figure out what is happiness? Uh, I, does there need to be a change in... Uh, in do, do you think there exists somebody who has never known any unhappiness and can say they've always been happy. Uh, and, and, and some of the related things to that would be, uh, you know, if we, if we do need that change, I, we need moments of unhappiness to recognize what happiness is, then there is that rough, you know, the, the, the wave, if you will. There is, there's a transition. So it brings in the factor of time. I One happy event after another unhappy event we may not recognize, but one happy event after an, uh, an unhappy event after a happy event, you know, the up and down, that is something we recognize. So, so I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm just thinking about the mechanics of this. Uh, and, and, and if you think this is a distraction, please ignore it. No, no. So the answer is... Um... Answer is actually there in the question. The, okay, think about it this way. It is just an event. What makes it happy or unhappy is how you perceive it. So it's in the person's perception, isn't it? Yeah. Yes or no. Right. I mean, you know, there are some, I mean, it, I think this chapter covers it. <clears throat> there are objective, there's an objective and a, and a subjective way of looking at an event. Yeah. yeah. And of course, exactly. the colors of our desire uh, you know, will 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 project it as such. I mean, some people might think it's a non-event. It's neither happy nor, you know, it's just there. But 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 I'm thinking about the sequence about you know, um, assuming we get to that state that we want to be in terms of being dispassionate and uh, accepting and all all the virtues that we want out of this book. Um, at that stage, does do we need you know do we perceive a constant happiness and we realize that that's constant happiness or do we need the ups and downs but sorry no, no, no. so we, 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 even in this book it says is happiness is by default so it's not even driven yeah okay. whereas so 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 there's no trough it's it's a constant but whenever there is something which you perceive as sorrow you will have a trough and then that constant thing is there. So it's the event which defines, okay, you may call elation as 
sometimes a little bit of up but what i'm trying to say is happiness is your default nature and sorrow it will be a curve because it's not intrinsic to your nature so you will try to get rid of it whereas happiness you will not never try to get rid of it unless yes there is another event which will cause you a bit of uh, sorrow or grief so once we get to that state then then once we get to that state then then it is movie playing on the screen <laughs> yeah yeah you may get elated and this thing but you are yeah. equipoised you're watching <laughs> the matrix at that point but, but not time, in that not in it time also stops i guess right i mean time stops time is... yeah edge of the black hole yes be, right? because I mean, you, you will be present you will be in the in, for the most part in the moment right you're, you're not caught up in um uh, in in thoughts past or future past or future you you you're more and more in the moment i mean okay. it, it may not be a, you know let's not think of it as a um i think it's a gradation isn't it i mean like for the for the most part you'll be that way right you can be that way but but obviously perception right you know whether do we need to have a contrast to be able to understand the happiness and alpana you're right that's a default state is it by design that the whole the pursuit is deferred to a later part of the life so that you go through these variations and then able to come to that learning of yes this is my default state in a lot of cases people <coughs> say they faced some adversity when it triggered them to find this path so right. so yes awesome. it can in in a lot of cases that is a trigger point where you don't want to get into those troughs and you just want you know equipoised state so it can be a, a trigger point um whether everybody goes through ups and downs depends so suppose you were very close to enlightenment but you still needed another life you may be born as a, like ashtavakra was enlightened within the womb so not sure whether he faced any adversities even though he was born with eight deformities was never unhappy yeah. so see so in that sense yes but to your point vivek you're right i mean if you were established in that in the nirvikalp samadhi there is no time there is no space there is nothing <laughs> yes yeah, so time there is event so time stops and everything and you know it is how it is there this is just a projection of a movie which was running if it runs it's fine if it doesn't run it's fine as well i'm happy as the as the screen as well so so I, i will say that that i have actually given up wearing a watch since a few months back uh, so i don't know when the time will stop but i stopped looking at at that time vivek we all fake it till we make it vivek <laughs> <laughs> so yes. think of a couple of other um examples right or <coughs> or arguments if you will so uh, one argument given is that of sleep right uh, no matter what we go through in the waking state when we are in deep sleep we don't see anything we we experience bliss isn't it like we or in other words there is an absence of any sort of unhappiness which can be considered as bliss right so the absence of suffering absence of unhappiness no matter what you're going through in the waking state in deep sleep that is removed 
so that's one one way of looking at it one logical like argument towards the fact that when everything stops the mental activity stops well in, in, in temporarily stops there are no inputs from the senses no thoughts being generated you experience bliss that's one secondly if you look at what uh, uh, for instance yoga sutra says right where yoga is the cessation of thoughts and when that happens your real self comes through and uh, the the and how nirvikalpa samadhi is explained which is also that thoughts completely stop and at, so it doesn't mean that you have to get into samadhi to actually experience that but what i'm trying to say is it is pointing all these are pointing towards the uh, the fact that as thoughts reduce that which which in other way of saying it is as you start becoming calm and your mind is not restless right as you start becoming calmer and calmer and and these conflicts in the mind reduce the state that results is happiness in other words it's not something that we have to pursue from outside it's not something that you are actually going and looking for right i mean that's the key thing that we uh, uh, that changed uh, it, it is a mentality shift right it's not pursuit right in fact <coughs> in this, this country's constitution calls for pursuit of happiness which is <laughs> wrong in my opinion right it it because it is right there you and as as these thoughts go down and when the thoughts when do thoughts go down it's when your samskaras are neutralized more and more because that's what creates that so there's lot of hints uh, towards pointing this out that it's right there so um yeah i just want to point at uh, i i think it's a shift in how we look at happiness and how we define happiness yeah the kishore well said and i think since you brought up yoga sutras there is one caution that i want to share here right you know uh, uh, in uh, yoga sutra says you know, cessation cessation of thoughts that's absolutely right and but the paths taken to it is very different and there is one thing that i want to caution all of us here um, and part of the reason is i've gone through that path and figured that 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 may not work for everybody so here is what it is so you try the simple experiment you try it okay it's an experiment please do not take this there take this as this thing if you want to stop your thoughts you have to stop your breath right like kumbhaka the the hold your breath inside or hold your breath outside you breathe in and you hold it then you'll not be able to think okay and you hold your you breathe out you hold your breath outside don't take the breath in that moment that space you will not be able to think now people take that that is actually pranayama okay people take this to a huge extreme and that's when they, that then they huge amount of brain damage mental damage that's why uh, please remember whenever you're doing any pranayama exercises unless and until you have the guidance of a qualified person do not ever hold your breath inside or outside your lungs because it can damage you permanently okay so in in the thought, in the pursuit of happiness you know i think we should we should not get rid of the instruments that we already have that that the nature has given us so please be very very careful about holding your breath inside or outside the lungs so uh, you know going back to the definition of happiness uh, i was thinking what we call peace of mind right that that's basically what we are aiming for so that right you know and not uh, exactly but uh, but think of it as um, 
a peace of mind. Sometimes we say or use this phrase um, just to say, hey, you know what? Just leave me alone. Give me some peace of mind. It's not in that sense, right? It's, yeah. a, it's something that lasts for a long time and which is kind of unconditional peace of mind, right? It's yeah. not based on something being there, not being there, right? It is not based on that. It's like being able to find that peace whether or not something, some condition is met or not. Right. In fact, you don't want like, um, you know, huge, like ups and downs. Yeah, uh, that, that vacillations are kind of yeah. reduced at this point. You, you are more or less centered. That's another way of, and, and you're staying in that center for the most part, regardless of what's happening around you. Right. And that's not so, right. Uh, sorry, Rajesh. I said that's not apathy. No, no it's not apathy. That, uh, yeah, it's not apathy. It's not. Uh, it's not even indifference, right? You you are still very active. You're doing what needs to be done. Uh, just that mentally, it's not moving you, pushing you here or there, right? Um, so, results in better focus. Obviously, you do better work, no doubt. Right, you can get into a flow state and you do better work, and all of that uh, will also result. Um, it's just that those um, whether and when you do that and you you get a very very positive quote unquote positive result, it doesn't really take you off into an elation either. When that happens, you're you're fine. It, it came in, it's fine. So uh, that state, whether you call it nirvikalp samadhi or uh, yoga sutras, chitta vit vritti nirodha, nirodha. Uh, is is that something uh, people who are seeking that should struggle for, or it, is is it like a switch which will flip if you have been in that sthit pragya state so, uh, right. for, for a time? Yeah, you know, one way, at least temporarily realizing that state, you could get into that through meditation and nirvikalpa samadhi. And obviously that is, I mean, not even nirvikalpa, that is a very, very high state, advanced state, no doubt. But then we can do that um, in our daily life, right? I mean, we don't have to get into a meditative state to get into that state, isn't it? And that's where the knowledge of... Uh, um, well, the highest knowledge of self-realization or the knowledge and even the knowledge of the values that Swamiji talks about in the Value of Values book, where he actually also um, says that, um, I think the 13th chapter, uh, when, when they talk about jnana, he actually says that jnana refers to the values and not the highest, uh, the self-realization knowledge, right? So it is possible to get and be in that, state even when you're doing other things it doesn't have to be that we have to be meditating and and you know you can certainly get a glimpse when in meditation when thoughts reduce because thoughts breath and um and the fact that we feel bliss they are all kind of interrelated right as uh, radish was also pointing out so it depends on what caused what right is uh, did the cause uh, did the thoughts reduce because you have the knowledge I mean, you have now you you are you have vairagyam and you are um, and hence you're not being pushed around here and there. So the thoughts have you're more or less calm because of which your breath is also 
kind of uh, in a in a very um, it's not moving back and forth. It's very deep and nice. Or is it the other way around? Are you pushing it? Uh, are you in, uh, getting it from the breath, which is what uh, um, Rajesh was pointing uh, pointing at? It. So what I'm saying is, it can be the other way around, which is we are we follow certain we follow karma yoga, we follow the values which reduce more and more conflicts in our mind, leaving the mind more and more calmer. And as we do this again and again and and follow these things, we start to see that the mind is far more calmer. And that state is happiness. We are not looking for it to come from outside is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Hey, um, go ahead, Krishna. Oh, no, no. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, very nice. Uh, I'm not able to get the video, but uh, your hand came before mine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, no, very well said, Kishore. So, I just uh, thought I would share my thought, tying a couple of things. So, one is with this way of karma yoga doing that will lead us also to a certain percentage of bhakti yoga, jnana yoga, to moksha. The other is this various ashramas that we go through different stages of life. And one other point that I have read across various books is always to have a mind of service. The more that you can enlarge your circle from first it's self-preservation us, and then it comes to our immediate family and then our friends and our uh, other larger circle, the more you can identify with. And then the reason we are at these various things is we kind of start thinking that, oh, this is my family, I need to take care. But at the same time, for a true sannyasi, probably for some of the Swamiji's that we listen to, they consider the whole world as their family. And they think everybody should get well. And I think it kind of automatically emerges at that point when we have that uh, level of maturity. So one way we can start with, like right now we are starting with some meta questions that we start asking. We read scriptures and then we do karma yoga and bhakti yoga to kind of take us to the next higher profound states. Uh, similarly, another thing that we can do as part of this karma yoga is uh, do something service. Anything that we can do and do for more people that, that might get benefited out of this, I think that also kind of elevates us. And then the way we identify our purpose or the way we derive happiness from it uh, all kind of also elevates that helps us towards the goal. That's well said, uh, Krishna. I think I think uh, you know the knowledge, the the knowledge that you know everything is is it's 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 Brahman that would help us to enlarge our own scope of reaching out to different people, right? And uh, and in fact, uh, 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 you know somebody somebody once challenged someone, right? They said that uh, try for one month to do something which is totally selfless service. The way that you you define self today is which is that. No body mind this is who i am whatever i do is is for me try to do it for one month some selfless service right and it is first of all defining that selfless service itself is going to be a real hard problem for many people because they don't know what is selfless service and then following that thing is going to be really hard. and you know we should try it you know it's a beautiful exercise you should try it you know whatever is a current um, nature that has entered with us with skills you know you've got to be a net giver to the society than net taker to the society. And that is selfless service. That's all. Nobody's saying you don't take, take the benefits of your, uh, you know, the skills and talents that you have. Can you, in whatever that you do, can you be a net giver instead of net taker? That's all they're saying. Yeah, that's great. Uh, we heard that actually, Krishna, coming from you, it was even more apt because 
I think Krishna in one of the chapters says <laughs> that uh, there are like four or five stages. <clears throat> he he keeps going down the levels, right? If you cannot do this, do this. If you can't, you can't do that ultimate sannyasi uh, kind of uh, rituals and and thinking. Then you can you go one step lower and keep on going and and service. comes in there in between when you have enough done wealth then try to give it away uh, which which Guntax just said um, I, i wanted to add another thing too going back to uh, manu's point um, on this happiness uh, thing and i've heard uh, several lectures of swami g and he keeps repeating once in a while in pretty much everything that i've heard from him that uh, don't think a lot of a lot of us tend to think that the vedanta teachings are dry and they just talk about this thing that you cannot see or feel or uh, or any i mean it has it's formless and it tries to over and over describe uh, brahman but don't think it is so uh, at least earlier you have the understanding don't don't think that you have to wait until a certain point in life to have this knowledge at least like you, you don't have to be that but at least get the knowledge uh, there's no timing uh, there's no real timing that you have to get out of ashrama or anything like that the earlier you know the earlier you can do a, a be a better uh, person doing karma yoga i found that a very practical type of advice you know um and and definitely i have told this to you guntax uh, several times is like <clears throat> sometimes i i do feel that i used to read uh, some of the upanishad teachings earlier on in college and had no clue what they meant they, they meant complete nonsense <laughs> doesn't make any sense whatsoever uh, but now with the, uh, listening to the lectures and all that it, it makes a lot more sense and of course in our discussions um so i do feel that if there was somebody that was explaining to us earlier on that hey you don't need to do modphi but you can do basic engineering drawing from dr rastogi then it's fine <laughs> you know so but at least uh, getting the basics earlier is a, is a great thing for uh, for happiness i feel yeah and and guns you point out an important thing right say so in the whole of the what you described so far what has not changed is the 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 truth that has been said in the scriptures that has not changed since times immemorial what has changed is our minds have become more mature to understand that knowledge so in the spiritual process also i think you know we are not changing the world or we are not changing the truth we are not yeah to understand and assimilate and be in the reality i think yeah. we perceive it differently as time goes on like you know i think if you have to define as somebody has to define happiness when they're 25 it's very different to somebody who's 40 to where say 50 plus or even if say you speak to somebody who's 80 their definition of what they call happiness or peace of mind is very different yeah yeah hey you know uh, that triggered another thinking too what, what i've heard him say this is uh, swami ji again i've heard him say the less you have in your the easier it is to mold uh, and the easier it is to absorb 
otherwise i have to do a lot of work on you as your guru to take stuff out of your mind and then put the right things in your mind <laughs> so i, I found that uh, pretty funny actually so me so me sarvapriyananda in one of his lectures i think talks about the definition of happiness is uh, and he quantified it he said like you know happiness is one unit of happiness is somebody who's young wealthy intelligent <clears throat> has uh, one young healthy intelligent good looking um and disposed to doing good things that is one unit of happiness and and it's something like the 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 happiness of spiritual liberalism you know the moksha is uh, sort of 20 20 trillion times more than that or something like that that's 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 the that's what i sort of vaguely remember from that lecture yeah, yeah it goes uh, on to say that if that is one unit then 100 unit is being a gandharva and then 100 times that is being one of the cabinet ministers within indra's this thing and 100 times that is then if you are indra then 100 times that is so that it keeps increasing and yet nothing gets close to the unit of happiness that an enlightened being has i think that's what it that that's what that lecture meant yep. can one of you please post that uh, audio link to that lecture i would love to listen to it <laughs> I'll, i'll i'll try and find it i think i wrote notes about it because i mean struck we are thinking who who do we know who's alive who kind of fits that that description you know one unit of happiness um, <coughs> we, we are all we, we we all think we are fractions of that all the time <laughs> yeah i just wanted to uh, to say one more thing and just to reemphasize you know what kishore was saying as well um but before i get there i think uh, when we were younger we all i think relied more on our capacity to find this whatever you know enlightenment is and hence more and more effort to put in to be on the yoga path and get that nirvikal samadhi somehow so you know you know what rajesh was mentioning trying to hold your breath trying to not eat for some time so that you know the, your mind is calm etc but i think what uh, what kishore uh, was trying to highlight that you know these are yes in a way good they give you a glimpse of what the reality could be but uh, these states come and go so they they're not sustainable so that's why i think what he was trying to say is very very important trying to be in that state of mind during the normal course of activities and in fact not even look for calm mind even with an agitated mind you can still become the sakshi and feel the same calmness not in the mind but as the individual and that's probably a state to 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 get to as well where even an agitated mind of your own self doesn't bother you you can get through it yeah just chant nirvana shatakam at the point of time <laughs> yeah and uh, uh, the the other a uh, point uh, swami ji makes swami ji makes actually saying that uh, the, there are more verses in the gita which talks about values than there are verses about the self right so uh, what he is trying to say is more more of most of us 
need to imbibe those values, whether it's karma yoga as well as the 20, 20 odd values that we talk about. And that's where most of us are. And that's where most of the effort needs to go into, right? Because uh, the more I, I'm reading the Value of Values book and the more I read that again and again, it's becoming clearer to me uh, that um, this, this notion of happiness is becoming reinforced because what it's trying to do, if each of those value is, is removing stuff from your mind that would have caused conflicts in your mind or restlessness in your mind, whether it's amanatvam or arjavam, let's say, if, you're, if what you have in your mind is different from what you say and it is different from what you do, that, that a dissonance is going to cause conflicts in the mind. So by, by uh, following that as a value in your daily life, in your daily uh, undertaking, you have removed one more avenue that may have caused restlessness in your mind. Similarly, Ahimsa, right? You would have taken one more thing out of thing. So by removing things, removing things constantly that would have caused restlessness, it leaves the mind in a more calm state. Now, in addition to that, let's say you, you practice meditation, you eat the right thing and, and sleep well and so on. Let's say all that is also brought in then you're adding more things would have, which would actually give you, leave the state of mind in a more calm state. Now, so to me, it comes down to that then, in, in uh, where we all are today. Uh, can we, I mean, we know this knowledge, yes, but can we, in, uh, uh, in terms of a practical sense, imbibe many of these things, which is to me, karma yoga and the values, incorporate them, incorporate the good parts of what yoga is trying to tell us, which is the, uh, which is the parts related to uh, whether it's asanas, which is, uh, or, or meditation, these are important. Yamas and niyamas, important again. Can we incorporate all these things in yeah. our lives as we, where we are today, right? Um, leading to a calm mind eventually, right? And slowly but steadily that, that is going to happen. And, and that calm mind is happiness, nothing else, is, is what I'm realizing. Kishore, yeah. I have a small question with you. Suppose if you're alone in the world and nobody else, yeah. then what is happiness? That's inside you. That's the whole point. Actually, no. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, just think about it this way. Um, if, because then the values have got no meaning there, right? Then the values have got no meaning there when you are all alone in the world. Yeah. Or do you think it still has meaning? Because your mind is going to generate those, isn't it? Those samskaras are in your mind. If you're, you're the only person, or even otherwise, let's say, actually, there is a beautiful meditation by Swamiji in one of, one of the meditations. It might, uh, uh, is basically, let's say, you are unable to do things. You cannot hear, you cannot see, you cannot speak, right? You cannot move. Let's say you are in that condition. Let's say I'm in, a, in that state. What does that mean? I'm left with my own mind, isn't it? I cannot interact with people. I cannot listen to people. There's nothing else I can do. And can I still be happy in that state? It's another way of saying what you're saying, Mahesh. Yeah. At which point, then, what, what is it that you have? It's only your mind, what, what it brings up, 
And are you able to accept that and be still be happy? That's what I was. What what I was thinking is, see, I mean, I've gone through this process length and length and length and length, and so I was trying to in search of happiness my own personal experience per se. But I found, I mean, okay, happiness. The moment you define happiness, you are limited. Okay, it is my personal point of view. Okay, I mean, I may be totally wrong in this. The moment you say, if this is eating ice cream, is happiness. I mean, it may be anything. You can extend this to anything. I mean, the moment you define, you are limiting yourself. I mean, I, I mean, the point of happiness is you cannot define what happiness is. It is something which has been explained to us. Sachitananda, Sachitananda has been told to us. Uh, I mean, but Ananda, you cannot define. The moment you define, it's an object. The moment if it is objectified, it's not a part of you. It is not you. Okay. When Manu was telling me on the happiness front, I was wondering, you know, how do I, I mean, reconcile this? And Rajesh was saying, without without apathy, yes, without apathy, will only one become sripati. You know, <laughs> you you cannot have an emotion attached to it, a thought attached to it. I mean, you are in continuous witness to this. Uh, I mean, happiness. This witness state. How do you defend this? I mean, this is how. I mean, what I understand is tita pragnya. I mean, uh, I mean, it is. I mean, the moment you fix your mind to it, uh, I mean, that is very difficult concept to do it, and automatically these values come up. Is what I think so. Uh, I mean, in terms of happiness, I mean, I'm still uh, not very clear. This is what is happiness, at least for me, because the moment I say this is, I'm limiting myself. Sorry, I may be wrong in this. No, it's an interesting perspective, uh, Mahesh. Thanks. I mean, I, I was looking at it, um, it as maybe this is not the um, the Satchidananda Ananda that we talk about. Maybe not, but we got to start somewhere where it's less abstract and more um, in well, more practical, if you will, right? So I was looking at it from that perspective. And in fact, when I was presenting earlier, I was putting this as an X percent happier state. Uh, I don't know if this is the state that the enlightened people feel. I'm not sure. But I feel it is still a, a state or a launch pad from which you can go to the higher state, if, if you will, right? So it seems to be that it is possible to achieve that practical ananda state, which is kind of unconditional and where the mind is a lot more calmer and, and restful than that, that equipoise state that we are talking about through karma yoga and by imbibing the values. Is it not? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, correct. Correct. In fact, while doing meditation also, while if you are looking at or we are thinking of an object or if you are thinking of a mantra or we are looking at a god, I mean, the moment you see or something, because recently I was doing open night meditation, you know, instead of, you know, while somebody was uh, in the normal day-to-day -day activities, we don't remember the spiritual life. So that's what I did in the last 20 days is I tried to keep my eyes open and say myself, now my eyes are open. So now I want to try uh, having the same attitude while doing the office work and dealing with other people also. And it helped me. The fact what I was doing is, the moment I was looking at it, I said, that is the effect of what is happening inside me. So, I mean, suppose if I'm watching a light or a God, so that is an effect. And, and in, I mean, the, the mind is the cause of it. So I'll put the cause on the mind 
and try to fix that mind over there and slowly something i mean uh, you can see yourself uh, as a consciousness at that point of time i mean just a pure consciousness that a small a small glimpse comes you know i mean where uh, you can feel that experience over there maybe for a fraction of a second uh, i mean that is what i see as ananda is exactly it has nothing to do with the object also it is nothing to do with the mind also it is something enveloping all this that experience you can have it in the meditation stage and that if you continuously practice istita pragna is what i understand i mean i mean please correct me if i am wrong alpana ji no 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 i agree with what you said and that's why i was saying that even when the mind is agitated you can still be very calm and um as the witness and even because what calm mind will do is it will still show you the reflection of satyagan that is what the calm mind does so but it is not the the reflection it is the one which is in which the mind is appearing so so that is the that is the state which is not affected even by agitated mind or anything at all Actually. correct so that is what what i was requesting is i mean what i was thinking is we should not define happiness at all i mean it's unlimited i mean it is uh, i mean uh, undefined i mean we have to go with it it is just that i think that's what we differentiate between anand and sukha dukha so sukha is yeah. what we're trying to refer to which is based upon some event or some disposition etc etc where anand is and actually anand may not be as exhilarating as the, the sukha is <laughs> exactly yeah it's true <laughs> but uh, it is a state which is absence of any sorrow or correct absence of anything elation right? actually yeah. for that matter. So, yeah actually buddha defines yeah. yeah because swami sarvapriya ji he tries in a couple of his meditation session where when you reach even that point of blankness you have to drop both the blankness and the one who is seeing the blankness to actually experience that eventual reality so even these things are indication or pointers to what that reality uh, is pointing to actually so But that step is i mean that last step <laughs> how do you drop them together <laughs> is the is the is the tricky part but um, so is is um, uh, how, how does bliss when when we talk about bliss the concept of bliss how does that fit into joy and bliss and happiness how do they kind of uh, or is that an english distinction actually bliss comes yeah after i think what i think you are saying is what we call as uh, um kadu sri pramod pramoda pramoda so yeah pramoda yeah so when yeah. you think when you just come to know that jalebi is being made you get some happiness when it is served in front of you that increases a little bit and when you actually eat it <laughs> that's the highest level so <laughs> so i think those are the gradations between what i understand is joy yeah. Yeah. So, Vivek, you know, you know, our scriptures are defined. You know, different. Actually, yes. <laughs> using that example, you know, moda, pramoda, ananda, something, something goes on like that, and you know, Jalebi, uh, great example. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. The kind of kind of happiness one gets when doing window shopping, and when they go touch and feel it, and then they go buy it, 
the different levels of happiness actually they you wear it actually <laughs> <laughs> you wear it yeah exactly so but no it's phenomenal to what level our scriptures have defined anything i mean proofs there are seven types of proofs that we talk about and we don't even think about them right <laughs> and we use them in our daily life but we still call them as just one proof because we have seen it <laughs> yeah but and now you know one of the one of the other reasons that uh, that's a pet peeve of mine why uh, the the uh, you know uh, uh, the the indian culture kind of did not go on an expansionist or you know uh, missionary position because they never felt that this is relevant the materialistic pursuit was never relevant for them i think on uh, swami spg also had like another one of these things where uh, he said the the purpose of a word there is like five five different types and he goes yeah. on to say all these things and then the atman or brahman is beyond all these things Yeah. So if all our knowledge and thought can be encapsulated only in words, and the word can do only these type of things, then it like this is something beyond that. But we still need all these things to kind of take you up to the point where you are at least able to keep things blank and then realize, oh, now I have to need to drop and then make that spiritual leap from the intuition leap. I yeah. thought that was beautiful to to add on to all these things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. we are at 733 and uh, i'm just wondering if we if someone wants to take maybe the last minute or two to quickly summarize uh, you know uh, any last thoughts that they may have in the mind that uh, that that we can discuss here vp hasn't spoken today vp no i was i was just i was just listening <clears throat> i yeah today i was uh, i would say i had my fill of quota by listening to swami sapirundaji earlier and uh, so i was just uh, you know a passive participant today all right so um, you know i'm so 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 very very glad and pleased that we were able to complete this book the journey together i really want to thank each one of each one of you it's been such an amazing learning and uh, you know we i'm pretty sure that we will continue you know uh, diving deeper into the gita shlokas one at a time maybe not everyone and i think and hopefully you know we will have a shorter version of uh, in our own key shlokas that we will uh, start diving deeper and studying together so we will probably do that but once again you know my strong and request is please fill up that sheet of presentation do not think think of it as uh, okay i can i can pass it off and not do it please think of it as a learning for yourself please you know do not hesitate you know you need any help you know we are always there the group is always there nobody is judging anybody here it's uh, it's for each one of our things so please fill up that sheet with green more uh, more quickly that's what i would say okay with that maybe you know we will start with our uh, prayer and i am going to share my screen let's start let's conclude with a prayer om bhadram karne
ಕ್ಷೇಮಾಕ್ಷಭಿಜತ್ರ ಸ್ಥಿರೈರಂಗೈಸ್ತುಷ್ಟುವಾಗುಂಸನೂಭಿ ವ್ಯಷೇಮದೇವಹಿತು ಸ್ವಸ್ತಿ ನ ಇಂದ್ರೋ ವೃದ್ಧಶ್ರವಾ ಸ್ವಸ್ತಿ ನೂಷಾ ವಿಶ್ವೇದ ಸ್ವಸ್ತಿ ಸ್ವಸ್ತಿಷ್ಠನೇಮಿ ಸ್ವಸ್ತಿ ನೋ ಬೃಹಸ್ಪತಿರ್ದು ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಸರ್ವೇ ಜನ ಸುಖಿನೋಂತು ಥ್ಯಾಂಕ್ ಯು ಸೋ ಮಚ್ ಸೊ ನೆಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ ವೀಕೆಂಡ್ ಇಟ್ ವಿಲ್ ಬಿ ಅ ಫ್ರೀ ಫ್ಲೋ ರಿವಿಷನ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿ ಎಂಟೈರ್ ಬುಕ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಆಫ್ಟರ್ ದಟ್ ವಿಲ್ ಟೇಕ್ ಅ ಬ್ರೇಕ್ ಅಂಡ್ ದೆನ್ ವಿಲ್ ಸ್ಟಾರ್ಟ್ ಆನ್ ಜನ್ವರಿ ಥರ್ಡ್ ಹರಿಯೋಮ್ have a great uh, rest of the sunday and uh, thank you you and you hello hello hello